You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. sent the disciples out by two. So we see a witness taking place here. God is at work. So these spies go out of the land. Joshua's careful preparation shows faithfulness, not a lack of faith. See, God promises success. And this should never lead us into a lull of inaction. Never leads us into a lull of inaction. It should spur us to step out actively in God. It should spur us to take a venture in faith as we wait upon the Lord. Have the faith to step out boldly where God is leading you. As you listen to today's message from Pastor Dave, he encourages you to take faithful action for the Lord. Sometimes it can be scary to step out into the areas God has called you to. However, God is trustworthy and promises to meet you where he's called you. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Joshua chapter 2 as he begins his message, The Faith of a Harlot. You are Today we'll be in Joshua 2, the faith of a harlot, Joshua 2. So if you'll make your way into that book, the sixth book of the Bible. So we opened with chapter 1, and we saw that Moses died. The Lord now calls upon his assistant, Joshua, to lead the Israelites into the promised land, to lead them now to possess the promised land, a land that he had given to them a land that was theirs, a land that he had promised Abraham, that he had promised Isaac, and that he had promised Jacob. A land of milk and honey, a land flowing with riches and goodness. We liken the promised land to the abundant life that Christ has come to give us, a land that's available for us to possess, a land that is available for us to, uh, to go into and live a life in full of abundance. The Lord had indeed delivered the Israelites from the hands of the Egyptians 40 years earlier. 40 years earlier, the Lord had spread his hand out over the nation Egypt through the ten plagues and and all the things that happened there as we studied Exodus. But the nation of Israel wandered in the desert for 40 years because of unbelief, because of the hardness of their heart, because they would not enter into the rest that God wanted to give them, a rest that is available to the Christian, a rest through Jesus Christ. But now, after 40 years, and Moses was dead, after 40 years, the nation was ready to go in and possess this land, a land full of blessing, the land that was promised. A commentator said this, quote, God had brought them out that he might bring them in. I like that quote. Likewise, God has brought us out of our life of sin. He's brought us out of our life of rebellion. He's forgiven us by the blood of Jesus Christ. But now... He wants to bring us in to a deeper relationship. He wants to bring us in to fellowship with him on that one-to-one personal level. He wants to be our God. And he's chosen us to be his people. And he's chosen you to be his sons and his daughters. And he wants to minister to you personally. 
He wants to draw you ever deeper. And this is what he's saying to the children of Israel. I've taken you out of that land so that I would be your God, that you would be my people, that I would draw you closer to myself. Because that's all God wants to do. All our God wants to do is to wrap his loving arms around you. He just wants to wrap his loving arms around you and tell you how special you are to him. How he loved you so much, didn't even spare his son, his only begotten son, but delivered him, gave him freely so that he might have a relationship with you, so that he might fellowship with you. Wow. He wants to bring us down into this beautiful new relationship, a new relationship, a life full of blessings. Read Ephesians 1. A life full of joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. A life of righteousness because we've been cleansed now by the blood of the Lamb. We've been cleansed. And we found out that God called you into his own. He justified you and he glorified you. He wants to bring us into a life of victory. A victory over sin. A victory over the flesh that we can have. Imagine that. Victory that could be ours if we would just possess it and take it. So Joshua takes command. Joshua assumes command of the nation. Moses had taken him up before the nation and had anointed him and had told him, told the nation that this is now the one who God has called. We know that Joshua was filled with the Spirit. He was filled with the Spirit and therefore he was ready to lead. He had Moses' appointment. He had the Spirit and he had God the Father's. Now go. God told him and encouraged him. And Joshua, I'll be with you like I was with Moses. Everywhere you go, every place that the sole of your foot will tread, I have given to you. And we see this past tense value that God has already given it to you. Go in and get it. Possess it. It's yours. Everything's set for the entrance into the promised land. Can you imagine? No more cactus. <laughs> you know, no more desert. Can you imagine the excitement? Joshua said, get ready. Because in three days, we're going to go. Three days. What are we going to wait for? We want to go now. Well, Joshua knew it was going to be a long journey and hard. They had to take provisions. They had to take things that were going to sustain them. It was going to take them time to get together. But we know, we ended last week, that there was another reason. There was another reason for a three-day delay. Another reason why the Lord told them to wait. People were ready, but the Lord says, wait. You read the Bible and it's full. I couldn't fit all the verses about wait onto the notes today. The Bible is full of wait. The Bible is full of wait upon the Lord. One of my favorites is Psalm 27, 14. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord, as the psalmist urges us and tells us to wait upon him. Psalm 62, 5. My soul waits patiently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. And I can imagine Joshua saying, we're ready to go, Lord, we're ready to go. And God's saying, wait, Joshua, wait until the time is perfect, wait until the time is right. We still have some things to do. Now, I don't know about you, my patience or lack thereof is no secret. I've not hid that from you, especially behind the wheel of an automobile. I am getting somewhat better. You can ask my wife, but she'll say no. Um, (laughs) Waiting for God is often the most difficult part of our Christian walk. But the days of waiting can always be days of preparation in God's work. 
Days of waiting can actually be used to God's glory. Days of waiting can prepare us for the work that God has called us to do. And I think sometimes we miss out on the greatest blessings because we get in trouble with our impatience and we don't wait for God's complete work. God shows us that he wants to do something. He shows us that he's going to do something, and right away we think it's going to happen immediately, and we run right out and we try to take it and do it ourselves, and we fail miserably. Why? Because we didn't wait for God. We didn't wait for God to do in us and prepare in us what we needed to do. We were so anxious, but we didn't wait. We fail to wait for God to act, and we think sometimes he needs our help. He needs our help. Well, you're not moving, God, so I guess I will. Ask Abraham how that worked out. Sometimes we act impetuously. We don't count the cost. We don't count the cost of what it's going to take and what's going to happen. And many times we even think it's a waste of time or a lack of faith. Sometimes we think it's a lack of faith because we're waiting upon God. But there is no wasted time in God's kingdom. God does not waste any time. And these three days that the nation of Israel waited to cross over the Jordan would not be wasted either. God has a special purpose for these days. God had a plan. And his plan was for salvation, for the unlikeliest of characters. The unlikeliest of people, God had a plan for salvation. God knew. Remember we talked about that? He foreknew. God had foreknowledge of what was going to happen, what was going to take place in this person's heart. His plan of salvation for the most unlikeliest character, a harlot by the name of Rahab. A harlot. Now, if that gives you great shudders, if you start to think, a harlot, poof. Look in the mirror, folks. Look in the mirror. Because Scripture says if you've broken one command, you've broken them all. There is no sin that is even greater than the other, save for the sin of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't look that way. It's interesting that as I studied this, the one thing that came to me, especially since we've just been through the book of Revelation, was the fact that God waited until salvation happened to Rahab and her family before judgment fell upon the town of Jericho. That gives me great solace. That gives me great hope. That gives me great hope. God is waiting for those who would be saved to come to him before the end of this age before the end of this dispensation. One commentator had this to say about Rahab. This was one in the city of Jericho, one life that had faith in God, not a very strong faith, and not by any means a perfect faith, but Rahab believed in the living God and was not ashamed to reveal that she did. I think it's interesting. We can learn a lot from Rahab's faith. We can learn a lot from her, And I think that's one of the reasons why she's written in this book and why she's mentioned here for us to glean from and learn from. And by learning about her faith, we too then can become victorious Christians. We can become victorious as we look at her faith. So let's begin by reading verses 1 through 7 in Joshua 2. Now Joshua the son of Nun sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, 
Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. Then the woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut, when it was dark, that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. Then the men pursued them by the road of the Jordan to the fords. And as soon as those who pursued them had gone, they shut the gate. Interesting things. What can we learn here? Moses sent out spies earlier. He sent out 12. 12 into the land. Joshua was one of them. You remember the story? He and Caleb were the only ones who came and returned and tried to encourage the whole nation to go in and take the guys. We can take these guys. But the rest of the spies said, oh, there's giants in the land. And the nation fell into unbelief. These two men are sent out as spies, but in reality... They become witnesses. In fact, if you're into numerology, the number two is always the number of witness in the Bible. Jesus sent them out two by two. He sent the disciples out by two. So we see a witness taking place here. God is at work. So these spies go out of the land. Joshua's careful preparation shows faithfulness, not a lack of faith. See, God promises success. And this should never lead us into a lull of inaction. Never leads us into a law of inaction. It should spur us to step out actively in God. It should spur us to take a venture in faith as we wait upon the Lord. I was talking to somebody, I forget who it was, it was just the other day. We talked about faith being an oxymoron. It was an active rest. Where I'm resting in the Lord to do the work, but then he uses me to do the work. And I'm resting in him, but he's using me and I'm doing work. I'm active, but I'm resting in him because it's not me doing the work, it's him. Scripture quotes that. What did Apostle Paul said? I did more than them all. I did more than any one of them, but not I, but the grace of God that dwells within me. Paul was resting in the Lord. The Lord was doing the work, but it sure looked like the Apostle Paul. But he wouldn't take any credit for it. We aren't told who the two spies were, but there's a tradition written by Josephus, and there's a tradition in Hebrew that the two spies were indeed, one of them was old Caleb. And the other one, they think, was Eleazar. But that again, that's just tradition. It really doesn't say here. As these spies go out to get the lay of the lamb, Jericho was highly fortified. And it's been proven archaeologically that the city of Jericho had a monster wall that was surrounding it. And some think, according to the ruins that they've seen, there was actually two. There might actually be two walls around the city. So it was a highly fortified city, and it was thought to be impenetrable. So they come and they find a house of Rahab and her family. You can see that. So they went and they came to the house of a harlot named Rahab, and they lodged there. Now, throughout Christianity... There's been an embarrassment from Bible interpreters because these spies went to the house of a prostitute. Some have tried to say that she was simply an innkeeper because of the language that is used here. But in the New Testament, specifically in Hebrews and James, it clearly uses the Greek word for prostitute. It clearly uses the Greek word for harlot. She was an innkeeper, yes, but she has had another occupation too. And this shouldn't surprise us. This was a very pagan nation. This was a very pagan city. And prostitutes were highly thought of back then in this type of atmosphere, in a pagan situation. They were highly usable and highly thought of. Why did they go to the prostitute's house? 
Her house was right on the wall. It might have been the closest one to them as they came to the city. I don't know. But think about it. Is there a better place to go where you would just fit in with the crowd and not be recognized? I don't know. There was a strict guard there. But what I like about this is as we read through this, there isn't even a hint of immorality by Rahab. Not even one hint of immorality. And everyone assumes that there was immoral conduct, forces their own bias on the text, because the text doesn't say anything about immorality. But after we meet Rahab, the first thing we see about Rahab is something interesting. She has a courageous faith. Her faith is courageous. She takes the two spies, she welcomes them in her home, and then when the king's men find out about it, there must have been a rat someplace, because he went out and told the king, because the king found out there was somebody there. The king's men come looking for him, and Rahab says they're not here. This is evidence of her faith in the Lord. These two men represented God's people. And she was not afraid to assist them. If they found out that she was assisting them, she would have been executed on the spot. She would have lost her life immediately. This was a dangerous thing to do. She would have been executed as a traitor. So she took a step of faith. And in James 2.25, James says that her action, Rahab's action, was a proof that she really was a believer, that she really had faith. James was liking her and Abraham for works, talking about that great faith produces great works. And that's what we see in Rahab. But you might say, well, wait a minute, Dave. She lied. Yep, she did. She lied. The Bible doesn't try to hide it. She told them a false truth. She lied. The Bible doesn't praise it and it doesn't excuse it. Perhaps if she had beforehand determined in her heart that she wouldn't lie to the men, I believe in my heart that God would have found another way to hide the men to get them into safety. But she lied. Her lie is not justified, but it does show courage. Consider that she was a pagan in a city of sinners, and the whole culture that worshipped false gods, and the whole culture worshipped immorality. She had no preface contact with the word of God or things of God. The lie saved not only her life, but it saved the life of her household, and it ends up saving the lives of the two spies too. Again, she lied. The Bible, especially the Old Testament, is not shy about talking about people's shortcomings. The Old Testament is not shy about talking about people's shortcomings, but I don't think we need to focus on their shortcomings. We need to focus on what God did in spite of their shortcomings. And I think we can learn a lot from that. We can learn a lot from that. You look at Abraham. How many times? Two times that I can think of that Abraham went to Egypt and told them, this is my sister instead of his wife. And look at the things that happened there. One of those times, he came back with a handmaid, Hagar. There's a problem there. We see David's sin. So the Bible is clear about showing sin when it happens. But the Bible is also clear about showing what God does with people whose heart are turned to his. So we have this courageous faith. The next thing we see in Rahab is what I call a confident faith. She says, hey, we heard about you guys. We saw you coming. We heard about this thing. And they all grew faint-hearted. I know, she says. What's interesting about this is that the New Testament epistles of Hebrews and James speaks about this and talks about her great faith. She's in the hall of faith. She's in the hall of faith in 1131. It speaks of Rahab. 
She's there for her faith. And these scriptures that we're reading indicates that, that Rahab may have placed her faith in the one true living God even before the spies arrived. Look at the verses as we explain them. In verse 9, she says, she knew that God had given the land to the Israelites. In verse 10, she says, she knew the facts about God that were evidenced by the knowledge of what he had done for his people. And in verse 11, she feared God, which is evidenced by her condition of her heart. She was afraid, so she knew about this God. She knew about this God. Rahab's faith shows that how God had a plan for bringing her and the spies together. God's providence, God's hand, bringing them together. Have you ever witnessed to someone and they accepted the Lord like that because God put you together? God put you together because it was a time for this person to hear the word of the Lord and to accept Christ. Sometimes that happens on Sunday. We'll give, we'll give a call and it's just the perfect time and someone raised their hand and they were a visitor here or they just came. When the hearts are open to what God wants to do, people get saved. People draw closer to the Lord. And that's what's happening here with Rahab. That's what's happening with her. Her heart is open. Yes, she was afraid. Yes, she feared for her life. But this was the fear of God, not these guys. She was a fear of God. I've seen this God. We know what he did. We know what he can do. And our hearts melted. Our hearts feared. This is confident in what God can accomplish on behalf of his people. I mean, who wouldn't want to be on his side? Rahab said, I need to be on this side. Things are going well here. So she had a courageous faith. Bold faith. Rahab knew that the Lord Jehovah was the one true living God. She knew that. And she feared for herself. She feared for her family. And when she heard these great wonders that he had performed, she received the spies. And then the Lord sets up a way where she pleads for her salvation. And yes, she told a lie. Yes, she did. But she hid them faithfully. And then she comes to them. I know what your God has done for you. I know what your God has done for you. This this is very similar to me, anyhow, when in Daniel... When Nebuchadnezzar sees that Daniel isn't killed by the lions. I know what your God did, Daniel. I see it. I see what your God did. Let everybody worship your God. See, when the evidence is there, when the evidence is in our lives, when the evidence is proof that God is alive, people can't resist that. I want that. I want that in you. Why do you have this faith in this God? And we get to show them and demonstrate to them this faith. That's what's happening here. The interesting about it is, and I love it, Turn to Exodus 15. Let's read 14 through 16. Verses 14 through 16 in Exodus 15. The people will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the inhabitants of Philistia. To the chiefs of Edom will be dismayed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling, will take hold of them. All the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away. Fear and dread will fall on them by the greatness of your arm. They will be as still as a stone till your people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over whom you have purchased. This was God's plan. You are Joshua 1.9 reminds you to be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What encouragement that is. God is with you wherever you go, in whatever you do. Just as he was with his people, the Israelites, on their journey into the promised land, he went before them to make a way, orchestrating impossible situations to his glory. 
When you face the unknown, have courage. There's no need to fear the future. God is going before you as well. Trust in His faithfulness. Here at Assure Hope, we want you to know that we're praying for you. Is there anything specific we could be lifting up before the Lord? Please give us a call at 609-884-5821. We'd also like to invite you to get involved in a church community to help fuel your passion for Jesus and support you on this journey. If you're in the Cape May, New Jersey area, why not come by Calvary Chapel, Cape May? We'd love to have you join us for our time of fellowship, worship, and Bible study with Pastor Dave. We gather together every Sunday at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. You'll find our address and driving directions by visiting our website at assurehoperadio.com or by giving us a call at 609-884-5821. We are so glad you tuned in today. May God bless you today and always. Pastor Dave will continue walking verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Joshua when you join us next time here on Assure Hope. Assure Hope.